Welcome to the Most Sports Podcast, number 71, for the 10th of October, 2021. Episode 71, with your host, Dr. David Overby. Welcome to the Most Sports Podcast. This is Dr. Dave Overby, and this is the Most Sports Podcast recorded on August the 25th. 2021. Now the calendar will tell you that this is a Wednesday, but in big blue land, it's always Sunday. And the Bible in big blue land is this publication known as the Cat's Paws, which has covered Kentucky sports since 1975. And like everything else surrounding Kentucky sports, the cat's paws has become <clears throat> increasingly ridiculous and zealous in its deification of Kentucky sports and its coaches, in particular its head football coach, Mark Stoops, and especially the $9 million man, the million dollars a win for that 9-16 and 16 season, the incredible John Calipari. But let's start with the football, because football season will be starting here very soon. Actually, the end of August is always an exciting time of the year for sports, because college football is getting ready to start. Pro football will be just a couple of weeks away after that. And then baseball season begins to wind down and heat up. In terms of the race for the playoffs. And that means, of course, fall is right around the corner. The baseball playoffs are right around the corner. Football will be getting into full swing. And then what happens? It's time for Big Blue Madness. Which used to begin at midnight and was a fun adult event. And uh, now I think that they uh, have it sometime in the early evening so that all of the young little children uh, can meet their curfew and get tucked in for Betty Bye time, which is what, of course, college is all about. You know, it isn't finally about not being a child anymore and going out there and having fun, staying up late, and... Uh, having new experiences. Let's get back to the football and the cat's paws. Here's an article for you by Daryl Bird, who I think is the top editor at, uh, at this publication. UK's date with destiny. And as always, it's all about the hype. Of course, Kentucky football is going to have this great season. They're going to go 11-1, and one, according to Mr. Bird. But he's already making excuses, right? And one excuse is that Kentucky is going to be uh, battered and worn down by the time it gets into the most challenging part of the schedule. Here is a quote from toward the end of the article by Mr. Bird. 
Quote, the challenge to win when you're not at your best completes the month with LSU October the 9th, at Georgia October 16th, and at Mississippi State on October the 30th. Kentucky's players will be bruised and battered. Notice the kind of uh, crucifixion imagery there, right? You're, you're the persecuted, our, our uh, holy Lord's son has been uh, beaten up upon, uh, and but we will still be victorious. The big blue light will shine. The big blue light of heaven will shine and beckon us forth. This stuff is just uh, is is miserable. It's excessive hype. It doesn't pay any attention to this to the uh, statistics, and it's just sham journalism, straight up. Like there's nothing. As a sports fan, a real sports fan, you actually get excited about learning something and getting a real honest assessment of your team. Let's finish with this uh, quote. Kentucky's players will be bruised and battered by this point and must find the will to defeat fatigue and its nasty cousin fear. And so, basically, you can read this as uh, Bird is always making excuses for Kentucky two months ahead that by the time they get to October, they're going to be bruised and battered. But why exactly is that when the season, of course, will begin with the standard cupcake games against Max schools? There's a game against uh, Missouri that's going to be in Lexington and Kentucky's uh, favored to win. But here's the real story on Mark Stoops. He hasn't beaten Georgia. He's 0-9 against Georgia. 0-8, however long Stoops has been there. Why don't we count it out? Uh, He got there in 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20. So that brings us to that he is 0-8 against Georgia. That's his toughest competition. But Rich Brooks beat Georgia. Rich Brooks beat Georgia in Athens. And Jerry Claiborne beat Georgia. Beat Georgia 16-10 in 1988. And Kentucky, uh, a couple of weeks earlier, was coming off a heart-wrenching loss to Alabama, coached by Bill Curry. Uh, who, uh, those were the dark ages for Kentucky football. And you're really bad when you're like the worst at the bottom of K- Kentucky football because it's been a rocky ride for the most part. Uh, but the point is that it's not just the raw numbers that you can look at to say how good a coach is and say Mark Stoops is great. And that's what is so unnecessary about all of this. And it's bogus. Stoops has basically been your typical Kentucky football coach. He's not been horrible like Joker Phillips or like Bill Curry. Those are the two people who stand out. But he has not been better than Rich Brooks or Jerry Claiborne. Now, the point here is that the most important thing about a coach, do you want to say this is a pretty good coach, above average It's about winning the big games. And Brooks and Claiborne won some big games that Stoops hasn't won. Another example, Kentucky beat Tennessee and Knoxville under Jerry Claiborne 
1984, 17 to 12. That capped off a nine and three season. They did beat Wisconsin, 20 to 19 in the Hall of Fame Bowl. Nine wins, not ten. Claiborne had had that one great season. Brooks has had that one great season. That's where we put. Um, Brooks has a, that one great season with Kentucky in 2007, and Stoops had it in 2018. So that's the better way of looking at what Mark Stoops is and what the Kentucky football program is. Now, everything about this upcoming Kentucky football team is saying it's got the best talent and it's got the most depth that they've had so far. But the quarterback remains an issue because um, we have Will Levins has been named the starting quarterback. So that's one way to say we're not going to have a quarterback controversy. We're going to hype up this player. And uh, so that means he's, he's going to be good. And supposedly we don't have to worry about it. Now, he's a transfer p- from Penn State. So there are two ways to look at that. Penn State is really great. So Will Levins must be great. But he's transferring because he wasn't good enough to play there. He wasn't going to start. Right? No one wants to just uh, stand on the sidelines and signal in uh, plays. And already we're, we're getting the, the, the hype, right? Uh, here's an article uh, by uh, Mr. Uh, Derek Terry. And the article goes, uh, quote, He's, that this would be Eleven's, got an impressively strong arm and a lightning quick release. He will need to prove that he has the touch and accuracy to make all the throws. Uh, Levis is mostly unproven, though he did throw for over 200 years off the bench against Nebraska last year. So I will give Mr. Terry credit for pointing out something that's important, mostly unproven. But the big subheadline here in this section on the predictions for Kentucky football is Levins will pass for over 2,500 yards. We have no idea what this guy is going to look look like. And the quarterback is the most important position on a football team. And when your quarterback is a question mark, this is really not the time to be saying we're going to be awesome this year. Now, um, if Kentucky had uh, Andre Woodson at quarterback, right, if they if they had some of the, the really big-time great quarterbacks who had already proven themselves on the field, you had seen the improvement, and then they were coming back, then you could be ready to say something. And the other thing is we get this uh, hype about the, about the coach because Kentucky finally – has a new offensive coordinator <laughs> uh, with uh, Eddie Graham, uh, who who's apparently uh, will never learn that the object of a football game is to score more points than the other team and not to win the time of possession. Uh, it is not a game of, of, of keep away. Uh, has been replaced by the new offensive coordinator, Liam Cohen. And, of course, Cohen is the... Scary, smart, super genius who's going to come in and transform everything. And I think that by default, he will be better than, than Graham. But it's a matter of the personnel, and it's really a matter of the quarterback. And again, that being a question mark, uh, that's really all there is to say about the offense. Because if Kentucky can't throw the ball, everybody knows Kentucky wants to run. And running the ball, especially against the better teams, is going gonna, is gonna to be a problem. The best way to look at Mark Stoops in terms of what he's done is if you remove that best season, right, when he went 10-3 uh, and three in 2018, 
by the way, having the the worst game of the year in Knoxville. Now, he did give Stoops credit, and this was a great moment, uh, and also uh, bittersweet uh, because it wasn't long after that that John Schlarman, the offensive line uh, coach, uh, passed away from cancer, but Schlarman got to have the game ball and see that great moment of Kentucky finally winning in Knoxville for the first time since 1984. Um but in that 2018 uh, season, it was a really cold day. Kentucky just didn't have it. They played a bad game. And one of the reasons that Tennessee had that insane winning streak against Kentucky is that they, Tennessee would always have a good game against Kentucky. You could never think, finally, they'll throw the interceptions. They'll, no, they always executed. The, uh, the quarterback in 2018 for Tennessee was not uh, that great, but he had a great day that day. Just making these pinpoint throws and long throws downfield, touchdown passes, and you just think, wow. <laughs> you would think that the you know, Tennessee was not any good. Kentucky had its best team uh, in 40 years, uh, you, you could argue. But here's the thing. The Tennessee teams that Mark Stoops has beaten, and Stoops has a losing record uh, against Tennessee, although uh, that's gotten better with, I think, it would be the uh, 2017 win um, – with uh, Steven Johnson at quarterback when uh, Johnson jumped in the air and uh, did a, uh, a helicopter blade to um, 360 spinning in the air to get in the end zone for, for the touchdown with under a minute to, get, to go. Kentucky won 29 to 26. A game ended with uh, Tennessee getting tackled on the three-yard line, the Kentucky three-yard line. It was not a repeat of 2002 LSU. Kentucky wins the game. But these Tennessee teams have been nowhere near as good as that Tennessee team under uh, uh, Johnny Cox. I'm sorry, uh, Johnny uh, Majors. I think Johnny Cox is 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 an actor. Uh, Johnny Majors the was the coach of of Tennessee. Those Tennessee teams were much better. This is when Tennessee was was a force in the SEC. And really, since Stoops has, has been at Kentucky, Tennessee's been terrible. I mean, they lost to Georgia State. Um, and I think maybe beat Kentucky the year that they lost to, to Georgia State. And there's been all kinds of turnover at the head coaching spot. And so Stoops really hasn't capitalized on that. But if you break Mark Stoops down to this, look at Georgia, Florida, and Tennessee. Uh, his record... Um, is, is really not uh, very good at all. He hasn't beaten Georgia. He, he did have the big win against Gainesville, but then blew it um, when they didn't go for the touchdown and the guy misses the field goal. The freshman kicker misses the field goal at the end of the game, and then Florida wins in, uh, in Lexington. And then uh, Tennessee uh, Stoops has a losing record, even though Tennessee has been terrible since Stoops has been there. And then, of course, there's Alabama, who's destroyed Kentucky the two times that Kentucky's had to play them. And this is another way that we have to look at at, uh, Mark Stoops as the coach at Kentucky, which is he has been spared having to play a juggernaut Alabama team every year. The way that it works, Alabama's in the SEC West, Kentucky in the SEC East. It hasn't been the case that Kentucky's had to play uh, Alabama uh, year after year, in which case... For sure, there would be more losses for Mark Stoops. If you remove games against the MAC, the OVC, and other mid-majors 
from Mark Stoops' record and just look at how he's done against the SEC, other Power Five conferences, and, of course, Louisville, um, Stoops has been average, mediocre at best, with a lot of missed opportunities to have some uh, big wins, again, namely against Georgia. If that's your, uh, you've got to be able to win the SEC first before you can win the SEC. And here's the thing: if we're going to sit here and start getting all big on Kentucky football, when is the expe- expectation going to be that Kentucky wins the SEC championship? Auburn beat Kentucky in basketball in a regional final to go to the Final Four. Why can't Mark Stoops get Kentucky to the SEC championship and then beat Nick Saban in Alabama? Well, because we know that Kentucky is nowhere near that good, which means that all uh, all that uh, Mark Stoops has really done is he did get Kentucky out of the gutter, and he did uh, put it all together when he had uh, the power back, the great Benny Snell, and then Josh Allen, uh, the linebacker on the defense, and he really got that team uh, to play at a high level all year long with, again, the unfortunate bad loss in Knoxville. But other than that, an average coach, and that's all. And so that is by far, other than that one season, when you're talking about somebody who's uh, going into his uh, ninth year, uh, the average is what you want to look at and expect. And I do believe uh, there. And uh, and here's the thing, you know, model of stability, as though this is some incredible uh, achievement. But uh, stability can mean uh, mediocrity. The people in Tuscaloosa don't want stability. They want championships. And so this idea of hype, but at the same time really not having any expectations or low expectations because you're basically just expecting what you know you're going to get and then not letting yourself actually think you can get more than that, which is what Mr. Bird is saying when he's already making excuses for the fact that there's no way Kentucky's going to be able to beat LSU, Mississippi State, and Georgia in the month of October because they're going to be worn down and it's going to be too hard. And But at the same time, Stoops is this tough Youngstown guy, and that's changed the culture and all of that, right? If anything, Kentucky should be warmed up. They should be smelling blood. They should be licking their chops, ready to get in there and just beat up on these teams, power over them, dominate them, let them have it, like sick of being kicked around. Always uh, Kentucky in in uh, in the SEC when it comes to, to football, um, but here are some ridiculous ex- examples of completely ridiculous uh, propaganda and um, sham journalism. So uh, we turn it to page nineteen here, and in, in the Bible, also known as the Cat's Paws, the religion being Kentucky sports, and we see records. Right, and there's a there's a list, and at the top is Nick Staben, and then right below it is is uh, is Mark Stoops, and you think, wow, uh, uh, Stoops is right behind the Saban, number two in, in in something, and what is it? And it's longest tenured coaches currently in the Southeastern Conference, like how long they've been there. It's like okay, so you've been somewhere for a long time. Like that's not the the same thing as winning. So that's completely meaningless. Um, but here, this says it all in terms of where Stoops fits in with other Kentucky coaches, right? And they're, they're looking at uh, at uh, these coaches with uh, Mark Stoops with uh, over 99 games, right? Uh, 
going into his ninth season. What is Stoops' record? 49 and 50. Now, if, if that isn't average, if that isn't mediocre, I don't know what is. And then let's look at the other people. Now, there was the the uh, the probation team, the team that where it wound up not not counting that uh, Fran Kersey had when they when they had that uh, a great year in '77, right? So again, the pat typical pattern for the Kentucky coach, like you at best you're you're 500, but the better ones at least really do have that one good year. And like the 2018 team, I believe that that. Um, uh, maybe it was uh, either seventy six or seventy seven. The Kentucky football team uh, beat Penn State, you know, on its way to having a, a great year. But Fran Kersey, what was his record? Uh, forty seven, fifty one, and two. Pretty similar to forty nine and fifty. Jerry Claiborne, forty one, forty six, and three. Pretty similar to forty nine and fifty. Uh, Rich Brooks, thirty nine and and forty seven. Now, he's below 40, but uh, not by that much. And then, uh, again, average and mediocre. If you, if you looked at that just by itself, 39 and 47, you would say, well, Brooks really doesn't fit in with that group. But then Brooks did have that really uh, terrific season in 2007, beating number one LSU and then uh, beating Florida State in, uh, in, in a bowl game. Uh, and... He really did uh, turn Kentucky around, much like Mark Stoops did. Uh, didn't didn't get the the ten wins, and that team actually, with you know, Woodson the senior, Jacob Tammy at the tight end, and uh, uh, Keon uh, Burton at receiver. But they uh, another heartbreaking loss to uh, to Tennessee, like a, a good uh, Tennessee team. And again, that's what I have to say about Stoops. Like you definitely got cut a big break when you came in, right when Tennessee is just tanking fall apart falling apart like they're just a shell of them themselves nobody's worried about tennessee football they really have been uh not good and uh kentucky could have really been paying them back um and uh i i believe other than uh, 2017 and then uh, the win in uh, in knoxville uh, last year uh to to great credit to uh, Stoops, but still, you know that was not at all a good uh, Tennessee uh, football team. But Kentucky couldn't get it done in 2007. I think it was a four overtime uh, a loss to uh, to the Tennessee Volunteers. So the the prediction here is is that the quarterback is going to continue to be a, a problem. Uh, we just don't see Will Levins as being the upgrade at the position uh, that Kentucky's going to have to have there to go somewhere. Now, he'll be serviceable. He'll be solid. Uh, Terry Wilson was never a consistent passer um, and and was really uh, more just an operational quarterback for that 2018 team. They didn't lean on Wilson uh, to win. They just wanted him to take care of the ball, uh, be able to tuck it in and run a few times, but it was mainly – uh, hand the ball out, off to uh, Benny Snell and watch him uh, run over people. Um, but without the quarterback uh, uh, position being a significant upgrade, I think Kentucky's going to be uh, at most eight wins. We'll just go with seven and five, uh, knowing how Kentucky football tends to work out. But more to the point, uh, we don't see Kentucky beating Georgia for sure, 
doubtful that they that they beat Florida, and having Tennessee come into uh, Lexington. Well, when was the last time Kentucky beat Tennessee two straight times? And that's got to be going back to the Charlie Bradshaw era. Which to go back to our list of coaches here, Bradshaw would have that would have been in the uh, early '60s. And uh, Bradshaw did not have an overall very good record, 25-41-4, but he did uh, beat up on, on Tennessee. Um, all right, so speaking of, uh, of deification, oh, and with the, the defense that Stoops has uh, talked about that is, is really primarily known for coming uh, to Kentucky from Florida State as a defensive coordinator. Uh, the defense, in terms of the takeaways that it had last year with the gr- secondary that really uh, got a lot of interceptions, those numbers are probably going to go down. And uh, Kentucky will be solid on defense, but the problem is, especially when you get into those SEC games against the better teams, uh, I don't think Kentucky's going to be able to throw for enough yards keep its defense off the field, right? And they've got to do, they've got to get out of this. Uh, what I think, frankly, is just a cowardly approach to offense in football where you're not really trying to break through and get it into the end zone and get those points up there and playing keep away. And we just don't really see Kentucky scoring points uh, the way that it's going to need to be able to do so uh, to keep up with these um, uh, better SEC teams. So who, who cares how, the number of wins that Kentucky's going to have, they're not going to get any big wins. Uh, if Louisville sucks, they'll beat Louisville, and um, otherwise it'll be a cl- that'll even be uh, a close game. And who knows what's, what's going to happen? But uh, depth, we don't certainly see any depth at the quarterback spot. Quarterback is unproven, not enough upgrade there. So speaking of deification, let's not waste any more time and get straight to the God of the universe, uh, himself, Zeus, uh, the center of, of the universe. Uh, and this, of course, would be uh, John Calipari and Kentucky uh, basketball. And already you can see, the again, the ridiculousness of the way this is covered, that the summer work is a home run for, uh, for Kentucky. This is another article by, uh, by uh, Derek Terry. And the, the home run metaphor is, since when do we start uh, assigning rankings to how good an offseason a team has? Isn't it about that you want to win games uh, on the court? So it's been the, the usual hype. And the, the quick take on what's coming up for uh, Kentucky basketball is, uh, by default, it'll be better than it was uh, the previous year. Uh, but we're going to say that Kentucky does not win an NCAA tournament game, and they'll be on the bubble, and they'll they'll probably nudge in there um, because they're Kentucky. But here's an example of of the hype and and just sham journalism, a bias that goes unchecked. There's nothing wrong with being a fan and having your biases, but you you've got to be open about them and put a check on them uh, to be a, a pro. And so. Uh, typical hype right here. So among the other incredible things uh, about for Kentucky basketball coming off a 9-16 and 16 season is the, all this experience coming back, including uh, Davion Mintz, right? And then 
Mintz is the first leading scorer to return to Kentucky since Randolph Morris in 2006-2007. So, oh, wow, in addition to the fact that we're getting all these transfers um, and that we're, we have our uh, leading scorer coming back. All right, well, you, right, you, two things. Like, you have your leading scorer coming back from a 9-16 and team. Big deal. Who cares? Um, and then, who, this is the first leading scorer to return since Randolph Morris in 2006-2007. And how did those teams do? They both lost in the second round of the NCAA tournament. So Randolph Morris was your leading scorer in 05-06. Kentucky lost in the second round. And then in 06-07, uh, Kentucky lost in the second round. Uh, it was to Kansas that year. Blew them off the floor. Uh, shot the lights out from three. Kentucky couldn't play a score enough to keep up with them. Uh, that's significant, among other reasons, because that was the last game that Tubby Smith uh, coached at Kentucky before then going on to Minnesota. So, big deal. So what? Is that what you want your comparison to be? Like teams that won in one game and then lost in the second game. And so what we're going to say is, the teams, those Hebby Smith teams, were better than a 9-16 and 16 team. Can't argue with that. And so if the best that those Hebby Smith teams could do is win one NCAA game, we're going to say Kentucky doesn't win any. Doesn't win any uh, coming up on the year. So the big stretch for Kentucky, what's really going to shape their season, will be a stretch from December the 4th through um, to be announced whenever the Louisville game is but that's usually between Christmas and New Year's uh, but I think that the deal is is that since the 18th is a Saturday that'll be Christmas and so they're not going to play that on Christmas so how they'll uh, work that out uh, who knows exactly anyway that stretch of games which Mich- Michigan, Notre Dame, Ohio State Louisville and then they will play Kansas on the 29th of, of January in Kansas the Kentucky is pretty much guaranteed to at worst to get off to a 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6 6 and 1 start so if they were to lose to Duke and uh, you couldn't uh, say that that is beyond the realm of possibility Duke only beat them by 34 points the last time that they played and you can't really be all that big on what Kentucky is going to be bringing back but then there's a stretch of all these home games against Robert Morris Ohio who did beat uh, Virginia in the first round of the NCAA tournament last year could be a tough game like uh, Richmond was last year Mount St. Mary's Albany North Florida and Central Michigan but let's face it most likely Kentucky is going to win those games but then this stretch here, Michigan, Notre Dame, Ohio State, Louisville, and again, the Kansas game in Allen Fieldhouse, rarely does Kansas lose there. Hard to see Kentucky winning that game. But if Kentucky gets beaten up in, in, uh, in that stretch of games, these big December games, um, it's going to go off the rails for them, and they will be right back to where they were last year. They'll have a losing record, and they won't even make the NCAA tournament. But we're going to say for sure this is John Calipari's last year. His whole – the world of college basketball, the way Calipari got uh, Kentucky going um, with the one-and-done, uh, that's already 
uh, gone. Uh, the world has sped up, and so is college basketball, and it's just not working that way anymore. And the it's just not uh, it's it's repugnant. I mean, it's just absolutely makes makes you sick to think of a guy that makes nine million dollars a year making excuses. Oh, in the pandemic, and Brandon Boston could have been hanging out with his teammates here in the summer. You know, he he wouldn't have been a, a terrible shooter under thirty percent from three point range all year. And it's like, no, Coach Calipari, if you've been a basketball coach, right, instead of uh, an agent using the head coaching job at Kentucky as cover to lube the ascent of these people and, and push your brand uh, and just get them into the NBA, you wouldn't have been playing somebody who was below 30% the whole year at shooting guard, insisting that being able to shoot from outside doesn't matter to winning basketball when every single example of a great basketball team and a champion totally contradicts that. Larry Bird and, and, and the Celtics. Michael Jordan filling it up in game two of the 1991 finals against uh, Portland. But that may have been the 92 finals. No, we're going to stick with you. That was definitely uh, 1991. On and on and on. Look at college basketball, the Villanova teams in 2016, 2018. And we've mentioned this in previous podcasts, but look at last year. Who was the best three-point shooting team in college basketball? Baylor, 41.9% from three-point range. Who won the national championship? Baylor. That's right. Who was the top scoring team uh, in college basketball? Gonzaga, 90 points a game. And who was uh, national runner-up losing in the national championship game? That's right, Gonzaga. So not nearly enough upgrade on the offensive end. Uh, for John Calipari in Kentucky to say that anything um, is going to be significantly improved uh, for Kentucky, and they're really not going to be that much better than a nine and sixteen team that at best is going to nudge their way into the NCAA tournament. We can't have Kentucky miss the NCAA tournament two straight years, uh, but then they'll lose in the first round. Uh, and if they if they have the the train wreck that I think that they're going to have in December then it's going to fall apart for them anyway. And there are still plenty of teams in the SEC that there is nothing whatsoever to think that they still aren't better than Kentucky. Alabama, Arkansas, Tennessee, and Florida uh, first and and foremost. Uh, But one wonders what's going to happen. You're going into Chrysler Arena in Ann Arbor. You're probably going to lose that game. And if you uh, lose to Notre Dame, then it's a neutral site game, Vegas, Ohio State, then you've got that big pressure game, Louisville. And then if you've lost those other games, or let's say that you've lost two out of three of those games, um, and you're rattled, if they lose that Louisville game in the midst of, of losing some of those other games, then there's just no way that you're going to be able to to uh, say that's going to be any kind of, of a good season. Biggest problem that Kentucky had last year was the team didn't know how to win. And we know it was such a terrible coaching job uh, because talent-wise – Talent was there. Now, it was not the elite talent uh, that Calipari was hauling in in his early years, uh, but it was not like you could say they just don't have anybody who's any good. Now, Isaiah Jackson was taken number 22. They did draft Boston in the second round uh, because there's this obsession with the, the potential 
and uh, Boston size. And I mean, anytime you've got such a uh, hype machine behind you, uh, why not uh, give the guy a a shot? Of course, it's a real tragedy with uh, Terrence Clark, who uh, not only was injured and missed most of the of the season, uh, but then was uh, uh, tragically killed in a in an automobile accident in Los Angeles um, over the summer. So I mean, it's just really been a, a dismal time for a, a Kentucky. But when it comes to the court, uh, there are just too many again question marks about uh, being able to have the necessary upgrade in offense. Here's a way to look at how bad Kentucky's offense has been under John Calipari. The year 2019, when they lost to Alabama uh, to uh, Auburn in the uh, regional final, Kentucky scored 60 points in regulation. But when they played Auburn three weeks earlier in a uh, regular season game, they scored 80 points. Now, the great coach, you score 60 in the regular season game, and you figure something out and you put it together when it really counts, and you score 80 in the regional final. But when there's a minus 20 going from the regular season game to the biggest game of the year, that's your problem. You're not a good coach. You're a good recruiter. You were a great recruiter, but not a good enough coach to win the way that Calipari should have, the way Nick Saban does in football. Only have to win two games to win the a football championship. Well, that's right, but you also have to be undefeated to get to the four-team playoff and then you still actually do have to win those two games uh in college if you're a power five team and you unless you're just absolutely at the bottom you have a pretty good chance of making the tournament uh and then yes you do have to win four more games than the two you have to win in uh in in football Uh, but the biggest problem for uh kentucky last year was the team didn't know how to win the players didn't know how to win and the coach obviously couldn't find any answers for himself to figure out how to win and impart that to the players. Right. So now we're banking on these four transfers who among them had one NCAA tournament win last year. That would be C.J. Frederick transferring from Iowa. And Iowa won its first-round game, and then got destroyed by Oregon in the next game. And how many points did Frederick score in that game? None. Played 13 minutes. What does that tell you? He is not that good. He isn't. I mean, if you're talking about uh, really having a big year at Kentucky, then doing some damage and advancing to the in the uh, NCAA tournament, certainly getting to the Final Four and winning a championship – Kentucky's just nowhere close to that. And that's what um, people should be talking about. They should be talking about real expectations, not these fake expectations. But you know that you're always going to get the real thing here at the Most Sports Podcast. We want to thank you for listening, and we want to thank our colleagues at the IFPR studios in Louisville, Kentucky, for their excellent artistic and production work. This is Dr. Dave Overby, and you've been listening to the Most Sports Podcast. Find Dr. Overby's extended game analysis and philosophical ponderings on Facebook at facebook.com slash mopod.mosports. On Twitter, we're at mosports O. 
And there's a poorly upkept webpage of episodes at psychicreform.com slash most sports. But we don't recommend relying on it. The webmaster is lazy. Subscribe to the show on iTunes or the RSS feed available at all the places. Join us next week for another installation of the Most Sports Podcast, your source for intelligent analysis of sports. Sporty sports sports. <laughs> <laughs>